welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 80, Crafting a Novel Around a Real Person, an interview with Sydney Avey, coming to you on Thursday, June 21st, 2018. Now, we've probably all read at least one novel that has a real-life character in the background. So whether it's a king or a president or a um, famous artist or who knows what, you can have real people in your books, but most people put those real people in the background so that they don't have to worry about what the actual things that happened on certain dates and whether or not it was really done a certain way. They just want to have some flavor and some uh, interesting bits to their setting that will make the book seem even more interesting to readers who like that time period. Now, Sydney has actually taken some relatives of hers who had super interesting stories, and she was trying to figure out how to tell their story as the main character, even though they're a real person, but she doesn't know everything about them. And so she ended up writing a book called The Trials of Nellie Bell, and it is a really interesting exploration of how you can take a real life and fill it in with a lot of interesting fictional details that come from the conjecture of, well, if this, then probably that, and you know, see how a novel gets born. So this is a really interesting interview coming at uh, writing a novel from a different direction, one that I haven't explored before. I hope that you enjoy it, and if you are writing fiction or nonfiction, I think that either way, you're going to find some interesting things that Sydney has to say that you may be able to apply to the real-life characters that you're writing about. So I hope you enjoy it. Here's the interview. Today's guest is Sydney Avey. Sydney is the author of three historical fiction novels, The Sheepwalker's Daughter, The Liar and the Lambs, and The Trials of Nellie Bell. Her poetry has appeared in anthologies such as Forge Journal and Out of the Fire, and her short stories in magazines such as Blue Guitar, TWJ, and Foliate Oak. She lives with her husband and a cat named Clyde in the Sierra foothills near Yosemite, California, and the Sonoran Desert in Arizona. Welcome, Sydney. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. I'm excited to have you here. This is going to be um, something new and different that I haven't actually spoken to another writer uh, personally, and certainly we haven't talked about the sorts of things that uh, you and I will be talking about here on the podcast before, so I'm super excited. I am too. <laughs> well, let's give uh, listeners a little bit of background about you. you um, I, I was on your website today, and I noticed that you have writing credits dating back to the 1990s. So tell us a little bit about how you got started. You know, I believe I was born with a pen in my hand. And my great-grandmother, Nellie Bell, is the one who, as far as I know, got that started. Um, and so it's, it's just in, in the genes. I was always uh, the newsletter queen for whatever activity was going on. And so that's why those credits are there. If, if uh, I were on the job or in, in a volunteer agency and something needed to be written, that would be me. <laughs> and, uh, and so some of that work made its way into publication, um, such as... Through my church, I did an interview uh, for their newsletter and also a chaplain's newsletter. I went into, I went to jail. That's fun. What do people what? know about you that, uh, know, what, what do we not know about you? I've been to jail. Well, no, it was to do an interview in, in, in uh, the juvenile facility in San Jose and uh, to, uh, to talk about what the chaplains do with uh, then that was years and years ago. So that's just how all of that evolved kind of naturally. Wow. All right. So then um, articles and, and uh, shorter works to eventually led to a novel. So how did that happen? I always wanted to do creative writing. I also wanted a career so that I could uh, help support the family. And I wanted to, to use my writing in my career and that didn't always lead to creative types of writing. I had a 
20-year career with Hewlett-Packard in marketing communications. So anytime I got a chance to volunteer to be the one to tell the United Way stories, you know, for the employees, I would do that. And I I was able to use uh, creativity. They, They were wonderful about allowing me to do that. But when I had the opportunity to retire, I thought, now I want to do what I love. I want to do creative writing. So I got, a, I got kind of a late start in that. I also had to unlearn the new style writing that an article, right. um, that, that you use in an article. And so I'm actually writing my fourth novel now. I'm working on it. And that's the one I wanted to do first. But when I started, that was about 10 years ago, I started writing novels. When I started, I thought, I really don't know how to do this. So I need to start with something a little simpler. And that's when I started joining writers groups and going to writers conferences. And I can't say enough about doing that kind of prep work and realizing that uh, you're going to grow as a writer. And so you, you have to jump in and make mistakes and uh, one of the things I've enjoyed so much, I mean, the, the Sheepwalker's Daughter was very well received. People who are reading The Trials, Nellie Bell, we love The Sheepwalker's Daughter. We love Nellie. It's really, it, your, your writing's getting better. And I said, you know, that's the kindest, nicest thing you could say to me. Because yeah. if it's not getting better, then, <laughs> then that's very discouraging. So long that's answer true. to your question. I can't even remember what the question <laughs> Just how you got involved um, moving your way from articles to short from stories. Our, yeah, from yeah, articles to short stories. It was, it was to be creative and use more of, my, more of my imagination. Articles are like, they're news. They're facts. Yeah. Uh, Short stories, you're, you're using the images that are in your head, and that is a, a whole different level. I think you can probably bring that into articles. Writers, really good writers do, but yeah. it's, a di- it's a different way of thinking. Then when I retired, I'd always wanted, I think, to write a novel, but it requires a lifestyle change. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so when... I decided I, I, I thought it's now or never. We're not going to get any younger here. Either, either you're going to do this or you're going to just say, I'm not going to do this. Let it go. So I negotiated with my husband and I said, this is what I want to do, but it means I'm going to have to give up lots of things, which means you're going to have to give up lots of things. Like I'm not making your lunch anymore. I'm not <laughs> even making dinner. <laughs> and, uh, so we, he was fully supportive. And I had to get really comfortable with letting go of things that um, had just been a natural, you know, gardening and sewing. And I loved all of it. But writing takes such focus. And uh, so it, it's a journey. And it was, very, it was very, very exciting to do that. And also wonderful to have my husband's support. And oh, that is wonderful. Wow. So that's, that's kind of the trajectory. Excellent. So the trials of uh, the trials of Nellie Bell is your third novel that you published? third published novel. Yes. Okay. So tell us a little bit about you. Kind of mentioned it earlier. I think who is Nellie Bell and how did you get this idea? Okay, uh, Nellie Bell was my great grandmother. I never met her, but I sure heard a lot about her. Really? He was the black sheep of my family because she uh, left a husband and, a ch- and children in the uh, early progressive era when that was not done. And uh, she wanted a career. Uh, well, now let me back up. Let's, the facts are, she went to work and she had a career. And uh, so eventually she ended up, uh, there was this household that my mother grew up in with my grandmother, my great-grandmother, and my mother's half-sister. And the dynamic was that we had these two women in this household who were very talented, very ambitious, larger-than-life personalities. And then we had um, my grandmother, who also was very talented but was very quiet. And then my mother, who was just overwhelmed by all of this. And so I, I 
grew up knowing that my mom had been deeply affected by uh, this experience. But still, when she would talk to me every once in a while, she'd be talking to me about some characteristics that I had and she'd go, you're that, that, you know, you're just like her. You're just like Nellie Bell. And I thought, <laughs> I'm not sure you mean that as a compliment, but it sure does make me curious, you know, to know yeah. that. So my mother gave me a, a, my great Nellie Bell's creative writing stories. When Nellie Bell finished her career as a court reporter, she took a creative writing class and she wrote fabulous stories. Now, I didn't read them right away. I was raising children when I was given this. I didn't read them until after I retired. And then I read them and I thought, these are incredible. They were so funny. They were so poignant. There was this voice of this woman and she was my great grandmother. And I thought, I need to know more. I, need, I, I couldn't tell whether the stories were actually true but they definitely reflect the early progressive era where women were starting to go to work and they were starting to fight for social justice. And all of that was in those stories. And uh, the values of, of um, trying to balance what they wanted with also being good wives and mothers and um, try, trying to maintain that, that was all there. So I thought about, oh, okay, I should just edit these and. Publish, see if I can get them published. But it still didn't answer the question of who really was Nellie Bell? What really happened in her life? Why did she leave her husband? Why did she feel that was necessary to do? Um, so I decided that I would weave the stories into a story of her life. Now, how do you tell a story of somebody's life when they're not a famous person and there's not a lot you know, that you can go on and the people in your family won't talk about her, <laughs> who, oh, actually, right. who actually knew her, uh, won't say very much about her. Uh, I just had to think back about what had been said and think about motivations. And the more I worked with it, the clearer picture I got of who she was. Wow. So that's the background for, and then of course it turned into a generational story and it focuses on Nellie Bell. There is quite a bit about the uh, the gra the granddaughter that um, w was my mother's sister. Those two had a bond, so I tell Leon's story as well. And then the relationships and the things that I found interesting. My own grandmother Opal, Nellie Bell's daughter, went to New York when she was 16 years old and danced vaudeville. That's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. She wasn't famous, but she had those experiences. She came home with a baby, but not a husband. Yeah. And uh, the stories I got and the stories I was able to, I, I was, the story I was able to confirm with what little, we have such research now with genealogy. Now you can get dates and you say, oh, it didn't really quite happen that way. You know, I can tell by the dates and where people were that that's the family story that isn't really the way it happened. So to put those things together, it's the stuff of a novel. Uh, the, the biggest challenge was how to, how to weave that story. Yeah. Wow. This, this is really interesting. I've, I've just never heard of anybody, you know, taking some true life people and then trying to make them because you know we think in novels that's fiction so it's not mm -hmm. true but you're you're just kind of um it sounds like you're filling in the gaps exactly that's exactly and and that was difficult first of all i will say that because i had a decision to make was i going to use their real names right and i also had the was i going to use their real names and i decided that i would use real names for people who are no longer living um, because legally you can do that, but right. if they're living, they can sue you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't have anybody li living that was going to do that. You also can make the decision as to whether you're going to, yeah, I wanted to tell the truth. I was not going to not tell the truth, but I also wanted to be compassionate. Yeah. Um, 
I got, I was very impressed by the way Jeanette um, Walls handed, handled her novel, uh, The Glass Castle. She could have trashed her family. She did not do that. She treated them with love and compassion, and it was such a much better story. It wasn't a tell-all. It was more a look at the human heart and a recogni in recognition that we all have um, difficulties. Uh, and the realization, too, that there's two sides to every story, yeah. and they're both true. And so how you deal, and if you, if you deal with that compassionately, you can show a person's failings without trashing them. So that was the way I went into the book. I also decided I do have relatives that knew her and knew some of the people that were in the book that are no longer alive. And I care very much about those people. So I thought, I'm going to get their permission to do this. If they don't want to give their permission, I may write the book, but I won't publish it. Right. So... When I got it at, in the first draft, I went and spent time with them, with my cousins. And I spent a whole day telling what, the story as I knew it and saying, is there anything that you know that's, that I'm getting wrong? Or anything that you know? Well, it turned out I knew a whole lot more because of research than they right. actually did. But they could confirm that pretty much I was, I was getting this the way it was. And they had gaps also. And so then I said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm saying some things that you might not want said. Uh, what do you, they said, publish it. Oh. I just, you know, that was, that's a, that is a decision I think writers have to make. And I valued peace in the family more than I valued publishing a book. That's an individual decision that people have to make. So then once I felt like I had that permission and then when I, you know, I'm going back through all the drafts and all the editing and uh, still wrestling with the fact that I don't, some of it, some of it is hearsay, what you hear around the table that becomes part of the story. Could I actually confirm where exactly she worked and what the exact dates were? No, I couldn't. Right. But the story definitely, it rings true. It's true to the era. And uh, I just have to put all the clues together to make the best story that I can. In the yeah. process, I, I feel like I tell people, I put Nellie Bell on the literary stage and I made her explain herself. And she did a brilliant job of it. Oh, that's beautiful. I love the way you say that. That's really cool. Wow. Okay. So this sounds like, um, this sounds like a lot more work than if you just made up a story out of your head that you just, you know, had a dream and yeah. Yes. So tell us a little bit, um, particularly for listeners who have an interesting relative that they've been trying to figure out if I could write their story, how would I do it? Or how would I figure out where to begin? Or give us a little bit of like the how, the things that you research, the things that you maybe that you learned about, but threw out because like you said, that fact wasn't actually going to work well in the story, but the story would have the ring of truth in it. Tell mm -hmm. us about that. Okay. I, I, I highly read. Okay. I, I, first of all, I highly recommend a timeline. <laughs> You're going to have to keep track of all of this, of what happened when, and some things like Nellie Bell's stories, I didn't have dates on them. She didn't date her work as to exactly when this happened. So I had, I had leeway to move those stories around to fit the period of time. But that all, it's, it's, it's like doing a puzzle. It, <laughs> you know, you fit the pieces together and then something doesn't fit. And so you have to take a section apart. Yeah. Of course, you're going to keep those pieces. You're not going to throw them away. You're going to set them aside, look and see what fits better. And um, then it's, it's magic. This little piece over here that you know needs to go in that story, it needs to go somewhere. Oh, it's going to work here. It's going to make the story better if, if we put it over here. So it's structuring a story like that, I think, is the biggest challenge, which is 
why I hired Marcy to help me do that. Uh, one of the reviews says um, that, my, that my story is like a patchwork quilt, that when you put it all together, you know, it, it, it tells a story. Now, some people love patchwork quilts and others don't. So I do get to, oh, you know, that the time frames because it does kind of, it jumps, it's taking, it's, it's got parallel stories and it's going back and forth in time. And I try as best I can to signal that. Um, but that's not for every reader's taste. But this is the way this story wanted to be told because it, it involved relationships that develop over time. You get to know people over time, so you get to know characters over time. And uh, we're looking at Nellie Bell through the eyes of, of her daughter, who has one personality, her, through the eyes of her granddaughter, who has another personality, and then the, through the eyes of um, her coworkers, who, what I heard uh, from my grandmother was that she was highly respected in the legal community because she did make, despite the divorce, she maintained a sense of propriety. And she, she had boundaries, but she was very witty and very intelligent. And so they loved hearing her, you know, they, they loved having her in their midst so that they could tell stories and, and be appreciated and so that she could tell her stories. Uh, that's, that's the picture that I got from what little was, was said in the home oh, about her. Wow. Also, other clues. I think, too, when, you, when you're writing this kind of a novel, um, what, are the, you know, what, are the, what are the clues to the story? One of the clues was that she remained friends with her ex-husband. He remarried, and she thought kindly of his new wife, which wow. gave me a clue about her character and how desperate she must have been to get out of the situation but it wasn't uh, to be able to be free to do to use the intelligence that she had but i don't really i mean you know, i don't know what actually caused the divorce that's conjecture so you need to get comfortable as a storyteller with what makes sense for the story i'm seeing more and more of this i'm seeing more of uh, kind of disclaimers in people's books that they've, they've done the best with the facts that they have, but that, you know, they, there are things in there that are true to the times, true to the spirit, but not necessarily actually happened. I, I'm seeing more of this. It, it makes for a better story, but you also, you want to be as true as you possibly can. Right, right. I like, I like the way that you said that, that you can look at the bits that you have and then think, you know, logically and out of the sense of intelligence that we have about human nature, psychology, you know, everything else. Um, okay, a person who, who does this, you know, gets divorced, but does this, is still friends with her husband and is, you know, has a kind kindness to his new wife. What kind of a person is that? And therefore... What kind of a what kind of other decisions might she make, and what other? Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I I I was um, fortunate in that one of all of her stories, most of her stories, were about court cases or about things she would have uh, would have experienced uh, on the job. Keeping in mind that it's not like it is on TV today. Court isn't like in those days where she was an itinerant court reporter who traveled the circuit and she would go into a small town where maybe they would use um, a, an empty building for court and court would be one day a year. And so it was a day when justice was swift and judgments were common sense. And <laughs> so that allowed for all kinds of personalities and uh, foibles and that's what showed up in her stories are all those personalities and those judgments that are made on common sense and and not so much by some kind of a formula that we have today right and so now that was kind of a rabbit hole where was I going with that um, uh, oh, oh one of the stories one of the stories 
did talk about her and her childhood and an incident that I am going to take as factual where a, a book was lost and she was charged with uh, finding it, or though actually all the kids, keep an eye out for this book and returning it to the owner. And you have to read the book to get the whole story on this. But uh, he was a rich man from the East who came out and she, to uh, visit her and a rich young man. She ah. was uh, a young girl, and but not, not, not that young. And so there was the, the, the potential. She had high hopes that this would go somewhere. And it didn't. It went in a different direction. And, and I thought, she's got to be talking about something real that happened in her life. Because, um, <laughs> so I, I use that as a basis for some of the decisions that she made. Also, all books need a little bit of romance, don't they? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Everybody's life has some kind of love story in it. It does. It does. It does. Oh, wow. Okay. So again, thinking about what listeners might be asking themselves right now. So some of the things that you looked to for research was it just so happened that you had actual writings by your great grandma. Yes. Original then, source material. Original source material. And then you also um, spoke to your relatives, whoever would be willing to talk about her and tried yes. to see stories that they might have that were different or the same as yours. Mm -hmm. okay. I also had, I'm holding this up for people who have seen it, an old scrapbook. And in this scrapbook are our newspaper articles. And uh, now it belongs to Leon, but I discovered, for example, that uh, Nellie Bell belonged to the, um, what was it? The Court Reporters Society or something. And, and just, just going through this uh, gave me a, a lot of clues as to what was meaningful in their lives. So, wow. Scrapbooks okay, and so, photographs. So anybody who's watching on, on YouTube, this is, a, um, this is a scrapbook that Nellie Bell's granddaughter was putting together when they were all living together? Yes, yes, yes. Wow. And, and so this gave me a, a lot of information as to what they might be thinking and what was important to them. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. That is really interesting. <laughs> and then, so it sounded like you also might've done some uh, gene, uh, genealogy research. Yes. Yes. Putting together a family tree uh, in, on, on ancestry.com. I'll give them right. a little plug. Uh, I put together a family timeline so that I could, that, that, that helped me understand what was happening when I, I discovered from that family that, from that timeline, that uh, Nellie Bell's husband, John, had 10 brothers. Wow. And that family came from Canada. And as I looked to see what happened to those brother, brothers, they ended up in Cal, you know, they ended up on the West Coast. You look at the time frame, well, that's when uh, the economy was tanking in the Midwest, which is where they all came from, but it was starting to boom. They, they had discovered oil and the economy was starting to boom in California. That gave me an opportunity to say, that's how she must have ended up on the West Coast. Uh, uh, you know, some of those brothers were there in Los Angeles. I'll bet you that they said, hey, there's work out here. And so then she would have talked him into um, going there because as it turns out, her younger sister had relocated in Spokane. Oh. I didn't know any of this until I did that ancestry.com relationships. And then just by putting people, they were here then, they were here then, then I could draw a, a kind of a story arc or draw a map. I could map where right. she might've been. At the same time, I remembered hearing a lot in my family about the Chicago World Fair. I heard my, my great-grandmother, or my grandmother, Opal, told lots of stories about what a wonderful fair that was. So then I, when I looked at the time frame, I thought, there's every reason to believe that Nellie Bell actually was there. Wow. And that's where those stories came from. And 
so I did a lot of research that led to a lot of research on um, the World Fair and what but but you do massive research and then you pick just one or two little details what what would have attracted her and then so in in the book there is one scene in which John is showing her they're still married at the time he's showing her this wonderful new uh, invention the washing machine the dishwasher the dishwasher wonderful we'll have to get us one of those and meanwhile here is the inventor standing there who's a woman and Nellie is thinking I'm more interested in how that woman did that and became CEO of this company that manufactures dishwashers and that's what I'm interested in. Yeah. So, so getting to know your character and helps a lot with developing the story. You, everything is so big, you have to give the readers context. And if you can narrow it down on just a few details that reveal the reveal what it is your character values, what it is your character cares about, that all contributes to an to an exciting story. I think. Yeah. All right. Okay. So um, we talked a little bit before we started recording, but um, again, just for people who are listening and trying to decide how should I handle this, um, let's look at the question of, do I write about this from a nonfiction standpoint or a fiction standpoint? What do you think are some questions people can be asking themselves when they're trying to decide which direction they should go? Well, I think who... I think it's important to think about who you want to read this. Do you, if you're writing for your family and you want to document what happened, and that's a wonderful thing to do, then absolutely go nonfiction. Just tell what you know and what you've learned through research. Uh, nonfiction works very well for that. Mm -hmm. If you have enough information and there's enough interest in your character, because of something, I mean, Nellie Bell's claim to fame was reputedly the first female court reporter in on the West Coast. Now that's you, that's interesting to most people that I've talked to, yeah. but she, you know, she wasn't a federal judge, you know, with with all kinds of news written about her. Yeah. So I think that's going to play into also, and then. What kind of writing do you like to do? If, you're, if, if you don't want to publish and you, if you're not interested in publishing, I think there are a lot of people who love to write and really are not interested in publishing. Then um, whatever kind of writing you enjoy. If you enjoy nonfiction, write it nonfiction. If you enjoy creativity, do that. If you're going in which case you could take one or more relatives and just write all sorts of little short stories about snippets of stories that you've heard maybe. Yes, absolutely. You could do that. Absolutely. Um, I will confess that Nellie does show up in my first book, The Sheepwalker's Daughter, as a fictionalized character. If I knew now, uh, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have done that because people will say, is that the same person? Well, no, not really, but <laughs> <laughs> real person. This is just somebody I, I modeled after her. So definitely you, you can use them as models. And what's, what's interesting about that is, you, again, you get to know them better when you do that. Um, I started out the Sheepwalker's Daughter. Most of my books start out with a question. The question for the Sheepwalker's Daughter was, why do families keep secrets? And uh, my family had, you know, there'd been some secrets kept and I wasn't particularly happy about it. And I wondered why they felt it necessary. When I finished writing the book, I understood why. And I understood, I, I, I grew and I learned that, you know, people have the right to do that if that's the decision they want to make. Uh, it's good if they understand what some of the consequences of those decisions are, which are, their, which are trust issues and shock when it all comes out. <laughs> <laughs> or what was the big deal? Why did you hide that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yes. Uh, I keep losing my little earbud here. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
you make the decisions based on what kind of writing that you like to do and who you're writing for. Yeah. And, and what your purpose in writing is. Um, my purpose, my, you know, there's personal ones and then ones that I have as a writer. My purpose was really to, sh I thought, what, a, what, what better thing could I do than to get her work published? You know, yeah. uh, um, I wanted to get to know her. And this really, this, that's my way of processing. Other people could do it through a painting, you know? There's all right. kinds of art forms where you can uh, use the themes, the characteristics, and produce art. One of the values of fictionalizing, I think, is that you can, you can really work with the characteristics and it's, it's the show don't tell. Right, And you can work creatively with characteristics that have come down through generations. And you can look at what, what character, what did I inherit that serves me well? Yeah. And what have I inherited? What have I, what little seeds do I have in my soul that were, were, were sown generations ago that maybe don't serve me so well? Yeah. And so, uh, and, and you can encourage others in your writing to do the same things. I've had many people say, this made me want to find out more about uh, the, the people who came before me. And the value of doing that is that then you find out more about yourself. Yeah. And then say you, say you realize, as I did, that writing has been in the blood for generations. It's going to be very encouraging to say, you, you know, you, you sort of got a leg up there. You've got some writing genes, you know, go ahead and, and go for it. But, but maybe there are other characteristics. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's um, low self-esteem. Maybe it's selfishness yeah. that you can see didn't play out so well and you know you have it in yourself. And you can identify it and wrestle with it and work with it. And yeah. So those, so, so uh, creative writing, as, and we're talking here, literary fiction and historical fiction. It, it, it's, if it's genre fiction, romance and mystery, I think that's a different, I think that's a different animal because there are some uh, formulas that you need to, to follow to produce a book. Literary fiction and historical fiction, I give you a little bit more leeway in I don't want to say developing characters because there are wonderful characters that are obviously wonderful characters, but it's just, it's a different process, I think. Right, right. Like in genre fiction, there are certain signposts that you're going to need to hit. Mm -hmm. If it's romance, then there needs to be some sort of happy ending. If it's mystery, we need to know who done it at the end. Exactly. But in literary fiction, you may never find out why something happened or who did it or. Yes. And you, it's, it's not always a happy ending. And that's, that's difficult for those of us who are writing literary fiction, historical fiction, and uh, really wanting to go into, into the truth of something. Um, it isn't always a happy ending, but for me as a writer, and my purpose is always to show that regardless of whether it is the happy ending, there's common grace. There, there are things that happen in people's lives that are good, whether they recognize them or not. And to always look for that because, you, because I don't ever want to leave a reader with no hope. I don't, think, I don't think that's the truth. I think there's always hope. And so even though The Trials of Nellie Bell doesn't have a spectacularly happy ending, it has a hopeful ending. Nice. Oh, I like that a lot. Now, one, one last question. This is so fun. We can just keep, you know, talking all night, but well, your morning, my night. <laughs> um, but uh, trying to be, uh, you know, always cognizant of how much time we're, we're spending from a listener's perspective. So um, one other thing that you mentioned early on that I'd like to you to touch on briefly is um, the difference between the things that you can say about somebody who has already died and somebody who hasn't yet. And, and where is that line? Like if, if somebody died last year and you start writing the story now, can you still include anything you want about that person? I, I imagine that 
some of those decisions would depend on where you live and listeners to the podcast live in many countries all over the world. So I'm sure that's even more different uh, depending on what country you live in, what you can say about whom. But um, from the standpoint of uh, it sounds like you write with compassion. So from, from a compassionate standpoint, what were the ways that you decided on um, who you would or wouldn't include or what, um, since you're going for truth, but you don't want to make somebody look like an absolute horrible person with no redeeming qualities, like, where are you on that? Okay, on the- first of all, I don't think you can say anything that you want, even if they aren't living. Um, I think that you have to be true to who they were. And I'm not a legal expert, so uh, I don't want to say what's legal and what, it, what isn't. But I'll give you an example. I had characters who uh, I knew were in Hollywood at the same time that Leon was. And I read and I knew that they moved to a commune that Leon moved to, that they would have been there at the same time. I knew those things. Did they ever actually meet and interact? I don't know. But I wrote it that way, where they had met and they interacted. And um, I, I did research on those people there. It, it, the, the commune was called, it was an artist commune called The Dunes. And it was in Oceano, California. And there is a community there that has a lot of books that were written about that period of time. It was in the 30s, I believe. And uh, about those, and those people, in fact, one of them that I used wrote a book. So I used incidents. I, you know, it, it's not plagiarism because I didn't use her words. Mm-hmm. But I used incidents that I knew were... She, in her book, talked about her mom and their mom's mental illness. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I could touch on that, show it. Not, I don't have to name it, but I could show it. And it's, and it's true. I don't, need, I don't need a diagnosis. I don't need permission. Although I did, I did think that the daughter who, who is in the book as a child... I thought she was still alive and I did write to her and say, I want to do this. Do I have your permission? Mm-hmm. I got a note back from her grandson who said she'd passed and he wanted to see the way I had portrayed his grandmother. And um, so I sent it to him and he said, Oh, that's great. I love it. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I would just say, be, be, be careful, be thoughtful. Um, I, I will say I honestly don't know where that line is. And so some of this I'm taking on, on, on faith that my heart is in, and I'm not suggesting that anybody else do this. But another example was I had a senator give a speech. Now, that is a real senator. It was in the time frame in which, and I used uh, facts that I knew about him as the context for his speech. Did he give it in that time on that day? I don't know. Yeah. He could have. Yeah. Um, I know a, a lot of that. way. If, if a person is famous, you know, there, there are a lot of books being done now where you have somebody show up as a character. Right. Right. And in fact, yeah, I was just going to say um, one of our guests, I think it was Christy Phillips uh, told me, or I, I think she said it on the interview um, that there was a moment when, in this particular uh, area of the West during, you know, 18, you know, 67 or whatever year it was, um, she knew that Mark Twain had been to that town and he had either been the year before or the, the year after. And she just rearranged things and made it work so that he was there then so that she could use the things that actually happened when he had come to that town uh, as part of a, just sort of a background story bit that, it, that had happened. And I thought, well, that's really interesting because it's not taking anything. Um, it's not making a lie out of anything. No, it's just kind of no. Move things around a little bit in sort of the background of the story. Right. Right. Yes. Nice. And, I, would just, I would just say tread carefully. Yeah. 
And I was, um, I should have been more clear because I was really thinking more about your family members. Was there anybody that said, I, I don't want you to mention, you know, my mother, like a cousin who said, I don't want you to mention, you know, my father. Or... Nope. Um, no. Fortunately, I have a very small family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Despite your, let's see what it would be, great grandfather having... Um, and brothers, yes. Brothers. Yes, yes. And, and yeah, I suppose there's always one of them who could have, you know, who could say, no, he wasn't there at that time. Um, yeah. I'm not anticipating that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. These are not famous people we're dealing with. And again, the reason I used their names was just to keep that record for my family. Yeah. Oh, which is really kind of beautiful, you know. Thank now you. you're making me think. There's this one story my grandpa would tell. And the more, um, the older he got and the more his mind started, you know, um, losing its um, strength. Uh, he would tell this one story over and over and over again. And honestly, it was about the time that he uh, realized it was time to go home and marry my grandma. Um, so, I mean, it's wonderful that that's the the one story that stayed with him, you know, despite, you know, the changes to his mind over time and stuff. And he would tell it over and over and over again, you know, and as, as kids were like rolling our eyes, Oh, grandpa, you told us this story a hundred times, but I am so glad because I know that story now. And now you're making me think, Oh, I wonder how I could use that story somewhere. <laughs> That's what I want to do. That's the one thing that I hope is that people will, will think about telling their family stories and yeah. writing them down. Because um, when you're gone, who's going to be there to tell that story? And uh, maybe, maybe the world won't read it, but maybe your family will, and it's ways of passing these things down. And maybe also, I mean, we realize having sat, sat around the family table, stories are stories. And... Yeah. Uh, they're not, they change over time. They get presented from the point of view of the family member that is telling it, but it's still a story. It's in the same way that when I put a novel out, I put a story out, people are going to read it with their frame of reference and they're going to see different things in it. And I actually love it when a reader will say, tell me something they saw in the story. Um, I have a, fr a friend of mine who said, this is a story about suffragette. And I thought, no, <laughs> but if that's what you saw, <laughs> if that's what really spoke to you, <laughs> then that's, you know, that's legitimate. Yeah. That's legitimate. Oh, wow. This is so interesting. And I'm sure that there are people thinking to themselves right now, you know what, now you're giving me ideas about something that I could do that maybe I hadn't thought about doing, or I've been wondering how I would do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Use, use, use a family story in a novel. Uh, even in nonfiction, you can work those stories in. And uh, because by nature, we are all storytellers. That's so true. Why shouldn't more people get in on this fun? <laughs> That's right. Oh, I love it. And I, I would love to hear you just reiterate one more time for anybody who wants to tell a story that, that it's okay to, to want to write and tell stories and maybe share it with your friends or no one. It doesn't have to be only for publication. You know, yeah, and I've, I'm sure you've heard this too. Writing a good story, a good book, and publishing a book are two completely different processes. And it's perfectly, you are, you are a writer if you are writing. And yeah. uh, you're a storyteller, I, I guess you're an author if you publish, but <laughs> you know, and, you, and even if you're writing just for yourself or you're writing to share in, in, a, in a group, or you're writing to put together a book to give your family members. Yeah. Those are things that are cherished. Yeah. Uh, you know, and once in a while, something unexpected happens and you write a story and you give it to your family and then some friends and then some more friends and you end up having this big book that becomes a movie called The Shack. Yes, exactly. Like, what? Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. It takes on a life of its own. And, yeah. and stories do. They yeah. do. 
if it, sometimes the story is getting told and people forget where they heard it. <laughs> right. I was talking with a, a, a girlfriend of mine who is also a writer, and I specifically remember we were sitting uh, on this beautiful little kind of fountain edge at a library somewhere in Phoenix. I want to say it might have been a Mesa library or maybe maybe a library in Chandler. And, um, <clears throat> and we were talking about stuff, stories and what books we had just, you know, been reading and whatever. And, um, and I don't know how we, we got on this conversation, but then I was like, oh, you know what, but I read about this woman who blah, blah, blah. And I told her this whole thing about this newspaper article that I had read about this woman, blah, blah, blah. And all these things happened. And then I was like, where did I read that? Doggone it. Where did I... And then I just stopped and I started laughing so hard. I almost fell into the fountain and I said, oh my gosh, Lisa, that isn't a newspaper story. That's a book called Remembrance by Jude Devereaux. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah. yes. Good stories. They stay with you. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they sometimes they become your own. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you, you mentioned Arizona, um, writer, the, um, RWA, Romance Writers of America, very active there. Yes. And they have a wonderful conference uh, in Scottsdale every year for if anybody is in that area, Scottsdale Library, you can pick up lots of tips. Yes. You probably were aware of them when you were there. Desert Rose chapter, my very yes, first chapter. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I've been to their, to their uh, seminars and they're wonderful. They are, yeah. If anybody's listening from that area, or if you live anywhere in the general southwest of the United States, that conference is known to be a very good one. Yes. So I encourage people. Yes. Excellent. Well, listen, any last tips? And also, where can listeners find you and your books? Well, I think I, I, I probably tipped out here. Yeah, you <laughs> but, gave us uh, a lot of tips. Thanks, thanks. Um, well, and feel free to uh, well, visit my website, sydneyav.com. Sign, I, I do a newsletter. I'm doing it quarterly right now in which I share tips with readers. It's called For Readers, For Writers. And I share tips for readers and tips for writers. And so if you sign up for that or uh, sign up for my blog, uh, reach out to me through uh, media. I've got all my links to Facebook. And I don't Twitter much, but um, I am on Twitter. But Facebook... Uh, do that and uh, you can through my website you can send me questions which I would love to answer um, ah. I'd love to talk about and show the book oh it's Press. a beautiful cover thank you thank you anyway yes s-y-d-n-e-y-a-v-e-y dot com excellent Sydney, thank you so much. This has been really interesting. And I think it's going to have uh, tidbits that will be useful to any writer, especially when we started talking about just use some of your family's stories. But this is going to be great for somebody who really has had this idea and didn't know exactly how to do it. So thank you. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed this.